This is the Athletic Football Show. Welcome to the Athletic Football Show. Today's Thursday, March 10th. I'm Robert Mays. Great show for you guys today. We're going to preview the defensive free agents today, which I'm really looking forward to. In my opinion, it's a more interesting group than the offensive players that we talked about earlier this week, as evidenced by the fact that only one defensive player was franchised compared to like 17 offensive players. So the pool of players is pretty good. Before we do that, though, we have some news to hit. I am thrilled to welcome two of my favorite people, Shil Kapadia, Nate Tice, two guys I cannot wait to have this conversation with. Guys, how you doing? Doing well. I'm doing well. I'm very happy Shil's here, and it's not in a sense where he's beat me over the head with going 3-0 and in picks, hitting <laughs> another one. We're talking about which charity we're donating to. We get to just talk about a little bit of free agency right here, so I'm, I'm very excited Shil's with us. The stakes are a little bit lower. Yeah, it doesn't feel yeah. right. Like we might have to do a three-player <laughs> parlay at the end or something. You know, I've got Carlton Davis going here. Yeah, there's got to be some way we can make this into a gambling show, but we'll see where the show takes us. All right, let's start with the news of the day. The Colts have traded Carson Wentz, a move that seemed inevitable. I think Carson Wentz moving on felt inevitable. If you saw everything that Chris Ballard and Frank Reich were saying over the last couple of months, what the owner was saying pretty publicly, their lack of commitment to him, even during their combine press conferences where it's easy to say nothing of note, it, it felt like his days were numbered. The fact that they got two third-round picks for him and have to eat zero dollars in dead money shield. You know, we can get into this, but I felt like this was a move that if the Colts were going to get rid of him, it was hard to do better than they did in this moment. Yeah, it's always hard to analyze moves like this because if you zoom out, you're saying, well, shoot, that was the last year was a disaster for the Colts. You gave up picks and now you're getting rid of the guy uh, right away. And so, you know, you can certainly look at it that way and they still have to find a quarterback. So they're not in a great spot. But yeah, usually what I like to do, and I think you framed it right, is that you have to isolate the move at this point in time given what we know. And, you know, a a month ago when I was thinking about, hey, what could they possibly get for Carson Wentz? I thought, hey, maybe, you know, there'll be a team out there who's willing to give up a fourth that could turn into a conditional third. Because every time I think about no team's going to trade for this quarterback, I'm just like, Shield, remind yourself last year, Sam Darnold, (laughs) remind yourself of how desperate these teams are. And so you saw it here. I did not think they would come away with two third round picks. I did not think they would come away uh, with not having to take on any of that money, $28 million. And so, yeah, I think when you just isolate this move, I don't know anybody with realistic expectations who could say they should have got more for Carson Wentz in this instance. Also, having $0 on the cap for him this year. I mean, if they were going to cut him, which it sounds like they were ready to cut him, yeah. if they were ready to move on, that'd be $15 bucks. Now you save $15 bucks and you get two picks. You switch second-round picks so they move up a little bit in the draft. That third could turn into a second. Barnwell, who always does the math on this for me, which is greatly appreciated, he did the Chase Stewart chart for it. And it sounds like overall... The Colts traded the 18th or 19th pick in the draft for a year of Carson Wentz. It didn't go well. The, yeah. Their argument about trying to being able to save him and getting more out of him than they would have than they did in Philly. That happened on a football level. He was a better quarterback, Nate, than he was in Philadelphia. But where does that bring you, right? Bring, what does yeah. that really give you? And I think they stared that answer down near the end of last year, and that isn't even taking into consideration some of the off-field personality things that Zach Kiefer wrote about on The Athletic today. I highly encourage you guys to go check that out. It's a disaster of a move when you look at a first-round pick for what they got out of Carson Wentz, but I think it's a blessing to realize that after only one year to be able to recoup something rather than continuing down this road. I, I, I think my new nickname for Wentz is he's the red paperclip but in reverse, you know, like the trading, the paperclip for something better. And then you end up with like a house. Like he's the reverse (laughs) version of that. Just every year just goes, we're reversing the, until you end up with a red paperclip for, for Carson Wentz. Um, All you needed was a Frank Reich apology to the owner as well. I believe that he said that he actually apologized to the owner for going like, Hey, sorry, I signed off on this. (laughs) That was, I'll take that. I'll take the L on that. But like you said, in a, in a vacuum, if you're looking at move to move you're salvaging it. It's it's a recycling plant. It's figuring out, okay, we, we ate our loss. Yes, that's what it is. At least we got something back for it. I think that's all you can do. Like you just mentioned, the contract stuff is the 
the best part. But going from two years ago with he was with the Eagles, Wentz was basically one of the worst quarterbacks in the league, if not the worst. I mean, statistical measure, how he was looking. Him and Darnold. Frazzled. The, the, yeah, salvage pro- the salvation projects from last spring were the two worst quarterbacks in the league two years yeah. ago. We're seeing we're seeing the market go up for the salvage projects and the market go up for the like stars. It's like just you know we're just we're getting, we have two different markets that are going on right now. You got the you got the like the the hurt dog the the sheltered dog, <laughs> and then you got the premium premium bread one that just went you know stock stock pedigree. Uh, but I really just think that this is all you could do. Uh, I think now it makes the Colts situation less murky in a sense that they can actually like, pivot or go down a path that they want. To I the guess the so. They still don't have a quarterback for I'm the 10th year in a row. I'm much rather than that than have to answer Carson Wentz questions and then uh, and have to take those L's and talk about it every single day. Did you see that the Washington's Super Bowl odds went from 60 to 1 to 75 to 1 after that's the incredible. That's incredible. That's absolutely incredible. I think that, so, that sums it up perfectly about what, what Carson Wentz is right now. I think the Colts deserve some credit for salvaging something for this. As Shield mentioned, if you look at the entirety of the set of moves, it's a loss. Undeniable loss. I mean, they wanted a stopgap option. They had to give them a first-round pick to go get one. And now they're back in the same place they've been for the last three years. They're figuring out who's going to play that position, how they're going to find an answer there. And that's the biggest thing about this is that even if they have all this cap space, they still don't have a quarterback now. Shield, I, I, what do you think the best path for them is in the short term for 2022? Jeez, yeah, it, it is tough. I mean, I will give them credit. Like the, the sunk cost thing, I do feel like NFL teams have a tough time with that so often. You know, you can just picture a team having Carson Wentz and then they go, well, it's going to be a second year in the system. And, uh, you know, it was a weird yeah. COVID year or, you know, we didn't we didn't have the right piece of Like that happens every yep. spring and summer. We hear these stories. Mm-hmm. We read these stories. We take a step back and go, come on, that's nonsense. It's going to be the same thing. So I will give them credit for that. I mean, the path forward. The ending of the year was a blessing in disguise for it to crash and burn the way that they did i truly believe it was a blessing in disguise i i've told the story a couple times on the show i sat there in the press box with zach Kiefer after they beat the patriots that was the high point of the Colts season right felt like this team is going to make the playoffs they feel dangerous and i remember talking to him about it afterwards and saying it just feels like eventually they're going to realize he's not good enough there's going to be a moment where they want to get off this roller coaster and Frank Reich eventually has to be convinced this isn't going to work. This isn't going to be the outcome that we need. And then it got so bad at the end of the season that it ultimately ended up happening about nine months before I thought it would. And I think for the long-term health of the franchise, that is a good thing even if they had to give up a first-round picking pay Carson Wentz last season. Yeah, absolutely. And I think to, to answer your question about what they do next, I mean, there's no great answer. I mean, I looked at the, the Russell Wilson trade, and obviously he got to decide where he wanted to go. But I'm looking at teams like the Browns and the Colts going, shoot, you know, I hope you were, you know, at least making a call on that and being able to get in there. I mean, ultimately, Wilson had the, the no-trade clause. But, you know, this year is basically buying a year, it seems like, whether that means uh, acquiring Jimmy Garoppolo or signing Teddy Bridgewater. I mean, it's almost, you know, and Zach uh, Kiefer had written this, like you might have to take a step back before you take a step forward. And then you just have to like, I think right now in the NFL, you have to accumulate some assets and be ready to pounce when an opportunity arises, whether it's Kyler Murray next offseason or uh, somebody we're not even thinking about right now. You have to take swings in the draft. I mean, to me, the draft at quarterback right now should be all about upside. Like if you see a guy and you think, you know what, there's only like a a 5% chance he's going to be the guy. You know, you still think about that over somebody who you think is a safer pick and can do everything. Because as you guys have talked about and has been a big point of uh, discussion this offseason, it's like unless you have one of those guys who can play in that Bills-Chiefs game that we saw in the playoffs or can really lift everyone around him, it doesn't matter. I mean, the line I've been saying is that competency at quarterback has never been easier to achieve and it's never mattered less because... Like you don't, you don't look around the league and say, wow, there are like 10 teams whose quarterback situations are a complete disaster. Well, I mean, I feel like growing up, you could say that it's like a quarter of the league, man, mm-hmm. they have no chance. And so you could, don't spend on those competent guys and just try to take some big swings, accumulate assets and be ready when there's an opportunity to pounce. I look at this and they're in such a weird spot because you want to compete because your roster is good. You're a competitive team. You know, you have holes, obviously, but they have $70 million in cap space. They could trade for Jimmy Garoppolo tomorrow and then sign two of the biggest players on the market. I know that's not their MO, but theoretically that could happen. 
This is still a team that was really competitive last year with Carson Wentz at quarterback, and they have the means to stay competitive. But if you give up a second round pick for $25 million at Jimmy Garoppolo, where does that bring you? Like, what does that do for you? It's just such a strange place to be because they don't have a first-round pick to draft somebody. Even if they were drafting someone, you'd probably want a stopgap option, but how much should you pay for that stopgap option? There's just no good answer here. Even if they got under out from under the Wentz thing, Nate, I just don't know what the right route is for them in this moment. Part of me thinks if you're trying to find the right middle ground between taking a swing and finding an immediate answer. I call the Packers about Jordan Love. Yeah, oh, yeah. That's, like, that's all isn't I, that all more encouraging than $10 million of Mitchell Trubisky or a pick and $25 million of Jimmy Garoppolo? Like, none of these things are encouraging to me. I, I think of those options, even if you think Garoppolo is much steadier and that keeps you competitive, is a resource in a draft where you may want to move up for a quarterback plus twice as much better than Trubisky in this moment? I really don't know. Like All of these options are bad options, and that is where this team finds itself again. They're almost thanking themselves that they don't have a first-round pick, so they reach for some guy. They're like, you know, like Matt Corral, like, who shouldn't be going in the first. You're like, kind of almost thankful. I, I, I had three guys listed, and yeah, Jordan Love, I would say, is the one option I can maybe get beyond. If Wentz went for two-thirds, what do you think the 49ers are asking for Jimmy? You know, that's so now we have to figure that market. You said a second. It might be more juice than that. Like it might be a little bit. They're asking for a couple seconds or a second. Well, do you have to give up your second that you let's say the the pick that you swap with Washington plus the third that you got in this deal? Would that be enough to get Jimmy? Would that be worth it? Yeah. Like Shield said, that achieves your quarterback competency. You you check that box. Who cares? is kind of my response to that. Again, you can't tear it down because you've built this team and you've built this culture and you want to keep progressing forward. And it's almost the same spot that Washington is in, right? This seven and nine playoff season that they stumbled into a couple of years ago has sent them onto this strange path where they spent a bunch of money in free agency last year. They go get Ryan Fitzpatrick. He gets hurt. They still have this sort of intriguing roster that they've paid a little bit for and so you have an urgency to figure that spot out and then that leads them shield to trade two third round picks for Carson Wentz like what the where I don't even I'm not even judging the move is good or bad what does this make the Washington football team exactly that's the question that they didn't ask themselves I mean they were just desperate to find anybody I mean I felt bad I thought Ron Rivera was going to be moved to tears in some of these press conferences we're calling every team we can't find anybody it's a tough business you're still making a lot of money relax you know it's going to be uh, okay but uh, I mean they were so transparent about how desperate they were and Zach Kiefer's story said that initially the offer was a fourth and a sixth Russell Wilson got taken off the market and then they bumped it up to two-thirds and I would love to see Chris Ballard's face when he goes oh and by the way we want to move up five spots in the second round like that's just one of those it's it's a heat check uh right there it's that money ball scene right (laughs) where they're like how much can we get how much can we really pry from them in this moment yeah see when they just hang up but I mean that's the thing If, if Carson Wentz were released and they signed Carson Wentz and they're like, all right, let's take a flyer. That's one thing. That's reasonable. You need to start somebody. Go ahead and do it. But to that, to be so desperate that you're giving up two of these picks and that you're paying him $28 million, it's going to get you nowhere. I mean, they're banking on the fact that they're going to be able to get more out of Carson Wentz than Frank Reich got out of him last year. I mean, talk to anybody who, who knows the Reich-Wentz dynamic. Like, Reich was his biggest backer from the moment the Eagles drafted him until, you know, he apologized to Jim Mersey, mm-hmm. as, <laughs> as Nate said. I mean, he was the guy in his corner. For him to be giving up on Wentz, and I know it's owner-driven, uh, but still, for him to not be saying, like, no, we got to keep him, trust me on this one, that should tell you something if you're another team. And so I just don't understand why you're not more patient. If you're Washington, I understand you're bummed. There's no great option out there. I mean, you could sign, you could probably sign Teddy Bridgewater or Marcus Mariota for $10 million. You're not giving up any picks. It's not exciting. I understand, but you do have to exercise some patience, see if you can hit on someone in the draft. Cause like you said, this is getting them nowhere. I mean, you're counting on him staying healthy. You're counting on him, not turning the football over. You're counting on him, 
fixing his erratic accuracy, which he has not really improved on at all in four or five. I mean, all his flaws, that's one of the most troubling things about Wentz. All his flaws are flaws that are there year after year after year. Now, some of them improve here and there, but I just think they're going to uh, resurface. So you asked the right question. Where does it get him? Like best case scenario, nine and eight. And you make the play, you know, yeah. sneak it to the playoffs next year. Like, who cares? Yeah, I, I mean, for that fan base, maybe you do care because they've been so uh, pathetic since Daniel Snyder got them. So maybe <laughs> that is a big victory. But like, if you're zooming out and running a team, that should not be, you know, what you're making moves for. I have some numbers like, to throw out here for you, Nate. Okay. Yeah. The Colts finished 20th in passing DVOA, Washington finished 22nd. Taylor Heineke makes one tenth. Of what Carson yeah. Wentz is going to make this year. Why is $28 million of a guy who orchestrated the 20th best passing offense in football with a guy who is his number one champion and someone we tend to think is a pretty good football coach paying 10 times as much as the guy that finished 22nd in that same metric? Why is that an appreciable difference? Why is that worth paying this price? It's not. It, it's, it feels just like such a, like not Robin Peter pay Paul, but like you're doing it just to do it. Doing it just to do it. That's a good way. Yeah. Is, is, is like, is Matt Ryan tradable? Like for the Colts? Like, cause they could eat that. Contract. I think the answer to that is yes, by the way. Right. Because his base salary this year is totally doable. You I can think do it with you, a roster bonus, it's like $23 million. If you, if you do it post June, uh, post June 1st, I think it's, yeah, like I think it's very doable. I, I was just curious about that. Like talking with, uh, just look at Falcons roster. It's like, they they need to rebuild <laughs> with a lot of what they go, what they have going on. So it's like maybe that's like a win win for them to get under out Mac, get some more picks to work with. I don't know. That was just kind of that's another name that I've kind of like maybe maybe one of these teams desperate throws a boatload at it to get get Matt Ryan services for two years or one year. The Colts or trade for Matt Ryan. They win ten games. They lose in the wild card round, and then Matt Ryan retires next spring. That to me is why the Jordan Love thing is just worth thinking about. If the Colts like Jordan Love. Yeah, If they liked him as a prospect, if they were encouraged by what he could be, I just think that at a certain point, you need something with a future. And mm-hmm. you don't want to overplay your hand with that. You don't want to overdraft someone in this draft. You don't want to trade back into the first round and draft a Desmond Ritter or use your second round pick on it if you don't feel comfortable with that. But I just feel like there's some middle ground where you can look to the future and make an upside play while not giving up too much. Maybe I'm overstating that, but I just think one more stopgap option. Can you imagine if they had to do this again next spring? It just feels like the worst case scenario to just keep doing this year after year. And I think a lot of these moves were justifiable in the moment. I think they overspent for once. 100% they did. Mm-hmm. You understand how it happens, but man, like at a certain point, you have to figure out a more than one year, 12 month solution to this problem. It gives the whole franchise like it lets you at least know like what path you're going on because it's like hey we're changing honestly this is how the Vikings were in the 90s they went from like Warren Moon to Brad Johnson to Randall Cunningham to Jeff George and then they finally got Culpepper like that was was supposed to be the future there but it was that it's it was there for like kind of three years yeah yeah had the, I think four years as a starter five years maybe but it's just one of those that. It's that's the stability that you're going for, and the Vikings that lost off that roster was so loaded, uh, O line receivers and all that. So it could be a plug and play quarterback situation. Now more than ever, we know this that you can't really do that. <laughs> that's a philosophy for almost thirty years ago. So that's really the other team I could think of that tried to do it successfully. The last question that I have quarterback wise for the Colts is calling the Vikings and saying, "Listen, we'll give you a mid round pick." Will you have to eat fifteen million of the thirty-five million dollars? We'll give you a second-round pick for it. So the Vikings save twenty-five million dollars off their cap, whatever it is, and the Colts end up paying twenty-five-ish million dollars for Kirk Cousins. I those are, it's not an exciting answer, but wow. like these are the types of things that I feel like they have to think about and have oh, yeah. to explore. Yeah. Better than anyone they're going to get in the second round. That's I can tell a, you that much. That's a tough, but I, I would say no, though, because you're giving up the second, and then you're going to be paying a premium for Cousins if you want to keep him 
beyond the season. So now you're stuck in a situation where you're going to be you're paying right. cousins over $40 million and that's not going to get you anywhere. So uh, if it were less than a second, but then the Vikings, why are they incentivized to do it if they're paying that money and it's less than a second? So uh, he, cousins is an interesting one. I thought, uh, you know, I still, maybe I thought he was going to be someone that a team might get desperate for because of what you just mentioned. You can kind of talk yourself into him, but that's like a one year thing. And then all of a sudden you're overpaying for a quarterback who's, you know, you're in the AFC Who's, who's not going to be competing with Josh Allen and Mahomes and Herbert. And we can go through like eight more guys all of a sudden who are amazing in the AFC. All right, let's move on here. So like we mentioned at the top, a lot of the top defensive free agents on your list, Shiel, if you guys have not checked it out, Shiel has a list of the top 150 free agents on the athletic. You guys should definitely go check that out. Only two defensive guys from that list. No longer on that list. Jesse Bates, was franchised, which makes total sense. I think a lot of people expected that. Worthwhile for a player of his caliber. He had an excellent playoffs. The safety number is totally palatable when you have the amount of cap space that the Bengals do. So totally understand that move. Harold Landry, Shield, got a pretty sizable contract off of that career year from the Titans. They're going all in to retain most of this core. I mean, this is a team that doesn't have a ton of of financial flexibility, and they were willing to pay up big time. Five years, $87.5 million for Harold Landry. Yeah, that's that's a bit that was a that surprised me. I mean, I, I definitely had him high uh, on my initial rankings, but I did not think you know they just signed Bud Dupree last offseason. They've got mm-hmm. Jeffrey Simmons, Danico Autry. It's a yearly thing. They got to give a ton of money to one edge guy every single <laughs> spring. It's a, it's a, <laughs> I guess so. I mean, when you're trying to re-sign a guy at that stage, right before they're going to hit free agency, like you have to go above and beyond because Harold Landry has no incentive to sign that deal unless it's just like, shoot, I'm not getting this. You know, this would be the max of what I would think. I would get on the open market. So that one surprised me. And yeah, it's uh, it's good news, I guess, for some of these other uh, edge rushers who are about to hit the market. Well, the difference between Landry and a lot of the guys that are going to hit the market, I mean, the Chandler Joneses and the Von Millers, Landry's 25 yeah. years old. So yeah. there aren't that many guys in this edge market, which we'll get to, that have the sort of three to four year, maybe long-term outlook that he mm-hmm. does. I mean, a lot of it is going to be stopgap, and maybe we can get a year or two out of this guy, Von Miller, Ch- Chandler Jones. Genevieve Clowney, I believe, is going to be 30 this, this season. So a lot of those guys are in that range. So I think that's how you can talk yourself into it. Nate, the other bit of news we got yesterday, Bobby Wagner released by the Seahawks. Yeah. It, it, that So I was working last night. I was out working because I just can't focus at home anymore because my brain is broken. And I saw that come across the timeline, and I literally out loud was like, Holy shit. And people were like, looked at me. <laughs> it, I, it elicited a reaction from me, and it, that elicited a reaction from people around me. I, it reminded me a little bit of the day I found out that, uh, that Brian Urlacher got released by the Bears. Like, mm-hmm. that is the type of player Bobby Wagner is. Bobby Wagner is a walk into the Hall of Fame sort of a guy. Somebody you covered, Shield. I mean, he is a legend in that franchise, and justifiably so. Nate, do you feel like there's a best fit for him somewhere right now? It's like, all right, you know, maybe he's on the tail end, creeping into his 30s. But if he can sign somewhere for $7 million a year, is there a spot that you feel like makes sense for him? I want to get out in front. I love Bobby Wagner, but he did not have a good year last year. It was not his best year. He was a below average linebacker last year. and And not just for his own standard of play, but just overall. Um, it seemed like he lost a step. He, it was just weird. He's such an instinctive guy and it seemed like he had a little bit of confusion sometimes. I don't know. It was a weird year for him, but there's gotta be a team that could need a guy like that. Some veteran like presence. If you have no body, like no bodies whatsoever, like not just like nobody, we don't know what the guy is, but literally nobody on your personnel roster at the linebacker position. Like that's a guy you go for. It's like, Oh, we have other pieces, but we just need someone in the middle here. I can't think of any off the top of my head. But I feel like at the right situation, he could be useful if you understand that he's going to be more more or less average play and not all pro Bobby Wagner that we know for our How about lives, you, Shiel? Basically. Anybody that comes to mind for you? Yeah, I, I think he's still going to get a, a pretty sizable deal. I mean, I, I think he's still going to get over like $10 million uh, a year oh when God. you look at the linebacker class. Uh, a, a few teams came to mind. 
Uh, how about the Ravens? Uh, you know, if he's playing, uh, you know, they, they like to go after those those veterans with pedigree. I mean, Wagner's durable. He's at least going to help you against the run. I know uh, our friend Bill Barnwell tweeted out a Bill Belichick gif, I believe. Uh, you know, that that would be another one. They certainly uh, could use a it's linebacker. A classic, Hightower and Juwan Bentley are both free agents. And then uh, I think Michael Sean Dugar said something about, you know, don't be surprised if he stays in the NFC West. And I know Wagner is from L.A., has a lot of uh, late Lakers and LA pride. I mean, I wouldn't, I, you just, I don't care what the Rams cap situation ever is. Like, you know, if there's a way to do it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Uh, So I feel like you want to be a contending team, certainly a a playoff team. Um, Like I said, he doesn't miss games, leadership, all that. Even if he's got, you know, if you're going to be a zone heavy scheme, um, you know, maybe he's someone you can still count on. The team that I thought of initially was Dallas. They have a couple guys at that position hitting free agency. I mean, just a veteran presence. It feels like there's a lot of different ways that could happen, depending on how much cap space they end up freeing up. If they move on from Demarcus Lawrence and Amari Cooper, they suddenly have some flexibility. So that's one team that came to mind, but I think the ones that you guys mentioned make sense as well. Let's start by running through some of the top guys on your list, Shield, and then I, I cobbled together some rankings in order to find like a consensus top five. In my opinion... Von Miller is kind of in a different category than this. Like, I don't know if this is real or not, but in my mind, Shield, he's just going to land in LA or Denver. So I almost didn't consider him when thinking about what a market might look like for him as it might be, as it might look for like the other top five guys here. Yeah, I mean, it seems like those would be the most likely. It seems like he's having fun uh, with his free agency, but... uh, Good for him. Yeah, (laughs) good for him. Yeah, 33 years old. You know, I was looking at that J.J. Watt deal uh, from last year. Watt got two years, $28 million uh, from the Cardinals. I I would think that would be kind of the floor for Von Miller, Uh, but who knows? I mean, like we just talked about with the Rams. I mean, I don't know what machinations uh, are they're going to be going through there to kind of keep all these guys. I mean, would it surprise if he got... Got, you know, around 17 million or so. He certainly played well and got the notoriety uh, during the Super Bowl run. But yeah, I'm sort of with you there. It feels like that those would be the, the two options. JC Jackson, next on a lot of other people's lists. I mean, somebody that incredible turnover production, a player that you know, some people thought might get franchised. It didn't end up happening. I think the Patriots kind of see him differently than the rest of the league might. I still feel like he's going to get a pretty big, huge deal. I mean, somewhere in like the 18 to $20 million range near the top of the cornerback market doesn't seem out of the question for somebody with his production and some in his history. Nate, is there a fit that makes sense for you on the J.C. Jackson front? It's, well, usually man corners that are in their mid-20s get a lot of money. And yeah, a lot exactly, of, <laughs> exactly. And a lot of interest from a lot of teams. I actually like Think Dallas. about what Trey Wayne's made two off-seasons ago. Or what yeah. William Jackson made last yeah. year. And William Jackson's resume does not look like J.C. Jackson's resume. Yeah. No, it doesn't. But I was thinking maybe Dallas. Like, if, if, if I have no idea what their salary cap situation is in Dallas, but, like, maybe that's, like, a good fit if you're literally looking at a man guy, old school guy. I would really any, – any kind of Fangio defense, too. It's because when you're locked in those kind of quarters and robber schemes, you're playing man on the outside. So, you know, it would be a little bit of an adjustment. I would just always be scared of anyone coming from the Patriots' way. Like, I'm just always like, uh, how much? Because you got to think, when they run their man stuff, he's on the number two guy because they double-teamed the number one guy. So, yeah. yes, he's awesome in that role with a team with a lot of weapons. He can take away a, a really good player. But sometimes he avoids maybe their number one target on, on passing down. Stephon that, Diggs had his moments against him this year when those yes. two guys were matched up. So, I think it's something so to pay scared. attention to. Yeah. Shield, how about you? I got the How about the Raiders? You know, you're you're in there. You at least know him well with who you brought in. I mean, every other Patriots coach and GM just signs all the Patriots players here. Like you said, you have an actual (laughs) guy who, you know, he's in his mid twenties and it plays a premium. Kyle Van Noy's available. Yeah, (laughs) and you're facing now, you know, Russ and Mahomes and Herbert six times a year. Like you know, you better have some uh, some good corners there. I, I think they have some money to spend. So that that was one that came to mind. They were second on my list. I also, very similar reasoning, you know, Patrick Graham was on that Patriot staff at times when JC Jackson was there, right? I mean, there's a ton of familiarity there. My number one, though, is the Jets. And it's for a couple of different reasons. The Jets have a ton of cap space. The Jets have a glaring need <laughs> at cornerback. Every single member of the Jets secondary is a need at this point. But the Jets played a sneaky amount of man coverage last year. Mm-hmm. Only the Dolphins played more man coverage on third down last season than the New York Jets. 
So you have a guy with man traits, but this Jets team played a ton of man coverage. And if they want to trend in that direction, and you know, some of these teams that are more quarters heavy on early downs and are you typically think of more zone teams were more man heavy last year than you might anticipate. So that just fit, need, and even style of play recently, I feel like that is a marriage that could make sense. Yeah. I, I totally like you said, they just need again, need bodies, just like with the Bobby Wagner stuff. Let's they need guys that can run man coverage. Why not get go for the top guy if we have the space for it? The one other team that I think we should take into account when talking about corners throughout this show, I think the Chargers are going to be players for a cornerback or two. I don't know what the price range would look like if they're willing to shop at the top or they want to get two mid-tier guys, whatever that ends up being. You know, They have some moves to make. They can free up a ton of cap space with some of the moves that they have. So and obviously they just signed Mike Williams <laughs> to that deal, but I think his salary cap number this year is palatable. So just keep in the keep the Chargers in the back of your mind when you're thinking about corners over the next month or two here, both in free agency and the draft. All right, next guy here, Marcus Williams. I mean, was franchised last year, has been very good throughout his career. Uh, no reason not to think, in my mind, Shiel that he'll be shooting for that 17-ish million dollars at the top of the safety market. I mean, Jamal Adams just made 17 and a half. He set the market. Harrison Smith is at 16 just under that. I don't see a reason why Marcus Williams' agent wouldn't sit down at every single table and say, I want the Jamal Adams contract. Yeah, safeties and their agents probably love not only the Adams one, but specifically the Harrison Smith one. I mean, 32 years old, and he got $16 million a year just before last season. Like, all these top safeties uh, that we'll go through here, I mean, they're all saying, all right, well, that's the floor for my guy, especially when you're hitting <laughs> the open market there. So, yeah, I think he's definitely going to be in that $16, 17000000 million range, obviously a different skill set, uh, a free safety. Uh, no, I thought maybe, you know, you just mentioned the Jets for uh, J.C. Jackson. You know, maybe he's somebody who would make sense for them. The Lions, they've got that Saints staff there with Aaron Glenn. They've got money to spend there. Another team, some of these rosters, you just pull up the depth chart and you're like, shoot, they just need players uh, everywhere. Yeah. And, um, you know, the, he could certainly help the Lions as well. The Jets and the Lions were my first two teams. I think that the Jets, if you look at it, they're stylistically their coverage distribution is really similar to what the saints do a lot of quarters on early Mm -hmm. downs and that's the nice part about marcus williams right he can play those split safety looks he's very comfortable living in that world as more teams shift to that style of play and a lot of man on later downs like that's what the saints do and that's what the jets did last year so you think about needs style everything else that makes sense to me lions with aaron glenn i think makes total sense they have space I think the Texans are kind of an extension of that Lions thought, not the coaching staff connection, but just need bodies and have yeah. money to spend. The other team, uh, Nate, I'll let you do your your fit here because I, I have one that I really like. Okay, I, I I'm one and done with, and that's Jets. I just okay. said this this is stability on the back end, just same points that we just made with uh with with uh, J C Jackson, just getting guys under DB. Also with their top, they have two picks in the top ten. It would loosen up where they everyone wants them to take Kyle Hamilton from Notre Dame. So maybe they can take other guys on other spots on the defense because it's a corner. nice draft to find. Yep, corner. They can find other guys that would really help them out. So maybe the Jets. What about the Niners? Yeah, I like that. Tart's a free agent. If they trade Jimmy, they suddenly get some space. You he, Again, those split safety looks, like those quarters looks on early downs. He's familiar with that world. I, I don't know if they can afford it, but – that secondary suddenly becomes kind of nasty with Marcus Williams and Jimmy Ward and and those guys back there. So that was one that was like in the back of my mind. It might be pie in the sky financially, but I could see it. I could see him in the uniform. I'm excited for that section later when we talk about pie in the sky. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Let's get to another. I mean, this is a, these corners, man, Carlton Davis hitting the market. I mean, it just feels like this is a situation where every time you, you think about free agents, it's important to ask why. Why is he hitting the market? Yep. And in this situation with Carlton Davis, Shield, it's easy to understand, right? They only have one franchise tag. A lot of these guys were hitting the market at the same time. They don't have a ton of money to throw around. This guy's 25 years old, and he's a borderline number one corner. It, it seems like his money is going to be right up there with J.C. Jackson's, if I had to be, take a guess. That, that's going to be an interesting one to see. He, he's had you know some more durability issues. I think he's missed yeah, 14 that's a good games point. Uh, over the past four seasons. And you looked at the corner market last offseason with Shaquille Griffin and William Jackson. I mean, 
I don't Nate, Nate, do you put Carlton Davis more among those guys or more among JC Jet? Maybe he's somewhere in between. You know, those guys got about 13 and a half. So maybe he's in that $15 million uh, a year range where it's not the top of the market. But who knows, man? Free agency's nuts. You need two teams bidding against <laughs> each other. And all of a sudden, a guy is making um, 19 or 20. But yeah, that I actually had him uh, marked here. For the Jets, I do think they're going to spend at the top of the corner market. I just thought maybe if the price is a, a little bit lower than J.C. Jackson for them, um, that he he would be someone they could target. Yeah, I it's funny because it, I'm just repeating kind of what we said about the last two teams. My top two teams were the 49ers, sim, like similar idea. Let's get a corner for him. He's a physical presence. I, I love his headiness. That's why I'm really high on Carlton Davis, especially when he came back from injury. Last year, but the fact that I'm saying he's coming back from injury is always the thing you have to keep in mind. Yeah, because he's a physical. He likes to be in your face. That's I always he likes to read that. the game. Yeah, he's 25 though. And like these guys just never come on the market. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> they never do. It, it's oh, it's just like talk. It's he's the corner version of Armstead. Oh no, not really. He's younger, so not really. But corners fall off a cliff once they hit 30. So it's hey, we're getting him right in his prime. I don't know. He's a tone setting type. That's why I love him with the 49ers. Just like you said, being nasty with them. And then with the Jets as well. That was my other team because they just need guys. And he would be a guy. I would almost take a chance on him more than Jackson just because that Patriots thing kind of scares me a little bit. I have two. What about the Steelers? Yeah. I could see that. The Steelers have space. Uh, like they have a need at corner. I think the physicality and just I, I that's what their defense looks like under Terrell Austin, I think is is something to think about. I don't know what yeah. the answer to that's gonna be. You know, they bring in Brian Flores. I, I feel like they're kind of undergoing a quiet evolution in what they're yeah. gonna be on that side of the ball. But that was a team, and then the other one that I actually think makes sense is the Cardinals. Mm-hmm. If you think about they play Need. a decent amount of man coverage, but they play a ton of different stuff. I think the the single high world that the Bucks lived in last year is essentially how the Cardinals like to play. So that one was another one. I, I have one that if money's no object, we'll get to later. That I, I that is a fit for him with me, but I don't. That's for we'll save that. Okay. All right, Tyron Matthew, Shield. I, I feel like again getting back to the top of the safety market, even at his age, somebody is going to pay up for him. Yeah, absolutely. I mean. Uh, I feel like Tyron Matthew is the guy who every fan base, you know, probably every front office is like, eh, let's keep this guy in mind. I mean, I, I just feel like he's going to have such a strong market. This is actually, uh, you know, yeah, I think he'll be 16, 17. I mean, he's the guy who would not surprise me if he, re- you know, if he got over 17, if the team just fell in love and said intangibles, leadership, like we're ready to win mm-hmm. a Super Bowl right now. We want that guy in our building. He's been very durable. Like you think about the early years and you're like, well, does he have injury issues? Been very durable in recent years. This is one of my favorite uh, matches, actually. I want to hear what you guys think about this. Couldn't you just see him in that Ravens uniform? Tyron Matthew, yep. Marcus yes, Peters, I can. Marlon Humphrey. They're just like, we are in your face. <laughs> Snap. After, my nose. Yeah, you're not going to have a fun day playing us. Like that might be my favorite player match of like uh of any free agent so one of the reasons that i was hesitant about that is because like oh they have Tavon young and like what are they gonna do with the slot like one of his advantages that you can play him in the slot well they cut Tavon young yeah so they just did it today right before we started recording so now there's even more flexibility back there and like chuck clark is a very specific role within that defense and they want to be a little bit amorphous on the back end I, i do think it makes a ton of sense mine need a willingness to play guys in very specific roles, if you think about what they did at safety last year, is Dallas. Mm-hmm. They lose all of their safeties. J. Ron Curse is a free agent. Demonte Casey is a free agent. They need somebody back there, and he can do a little bit of everything. I don't know. That one just it made sense to me. It does. I... I, I'm boring. I was like, please just sign back with Spags and just stay. <laughs> oh, that's God. We're taking like one of the most fun, versatile players in the NFL. You can graft him onto any defense you want to. It's like, I'll send him back where he was. Send him back. No, let's let's just keep him in the robber position. Uh, yeah, anyone that's creative is that's what, what you want him to go with. It's any of those guys, like, I, they can't afford him, but it was like, I, I wish he could go to Wink with the Giants. You know, like, they, they can't afford him, but like, yeah, but that's that's the type of defense you want to see him in. And like you say, with the which Ravens. Denver or, or uh, Baltimore, which makes total or sense. Baltimore. Yeah. That's why the Ravens one. That's a really, really good one because that would be so much fun with how aggressive they want to play everybody. I also had Denver question mark. They have space. Yeah. Cream Jackson is a free agent. They and also Bright- balance each other too. Bryce Callahan's yeah. a free agent. So if you wanted to drop him down to the slot at certain points, like just those teams that, 
I don't know. They have a DB hole, not necessarily yeah. like a safety or a corner, but just somebody that might be willing to use him in different ways. I feel like Evero, if you look at the way the Rams have moved their DBs around the last couple of years, they don't keep them in one role necessarily or one spot. So those are the Denver and Dallas are the two teams that I had. All right. I like it. Chandler Jones. She, I'm fascinated by what Chandler Jones's market is going to be because there aren't that many high level pass rushers. He's over 30. He had a really good bounce back season last year. What do you think he ultimately commands on the open market? Uh, I think it's similar. It's kind of similar to what we said with Von Miller. I mean, the floor would probably be the JJ Watt deal from a year ago, 14 million. Sure. Uh, I think he's going to get more than that. I think he's going to have a strong market. I mean, Shaq Barrett last off season got 17 million. Uh, I sort of think that's what Chandler Jones is going to get. I mean, coming off a season, 10 and a half sacks, 28 uh, quarterback hits has been very, I mean, he, he's, plays 15 games or more every season. And so, uh, like you said, with the, with Harold Landry coming off the market, I mean, if you're a contending team, you need edge rush. Uh, he's at the top of the list. The team I like for this, uh, you know, it sort of feels like the Chiefs are just going to do the opposite of what they did last year with the O-line and just be like, let's just load up on these pass rushers, baby. Uh, I kind of like him there. Uh, you know, who knows if they get rid of Frank Clark. Now, all of a sudden, Chandler Jones, uh, Chris Jones, Maybe you add a, another veteran on a one-year deal. Now you have a pretty formidable pass rush. So that, that's the team I had marked for him. I, like it. I had a couple. I wasn't sure what they're going to do, right? Like I had a couple corners, but they don't really spend on corner. And I was trying to like throw people onto the Chiefs, and I wasn't sure who to necessarily Sorry, throw on that team. <laughs> All right, Nate, how about I, you? I similar line of think of Shield. I, I like him on like a one-year, two-year super rental for a contender. A super rental being like a premium rental. It's like you're – your rent a cars and Mercedes Benz when you go when you're traveling. <laughs> That's what you're doing with him. Uh, I would say the uh, the Broncos. Uh, as far as my list as well, good one. Broncos. It's the the new millennial Demarcus Ware signing. You know, get that vet vet pass rusher type to go with one of your guys. Um, all, they're all in anyways. You know, kind of that's what the Russell trade that starts the clock starts. That's and so they all these next moves. It's like, hey, this is our window right now, or they think that's their window. Um, the other one, the Bills. He's from the area. Like maybe, you know, goes on part of that rotation, doesn't have to, you know, he can like save some miles on him as he's part of a rotation. That's another one I have. But similar line of thinking, contending team gets to be a super rental and destroy on a rotational basis or super rotational basis. The Broncos were on my list and the other one's the Colts. The Colts need pass rush. The Colts yep. have seventy million dollars in cap space right now. Why not? We'll see what happens with their quarterback. They need oh. pass rush. And hey, I think man, they've Buckner? been pretty open. Oh. About the fact. Exactly. I just want to pair Buckner with somebody. Somebody. And I know they have the young guys, and we'll see how the young guys come along, but they have the money. But that'll it, help the young guys, too. Is now you, you need take to, a load You need off to them. spend it. At a certain yes, point, you I need to so. spend the money. Pull the trigger. <laughs> just <All right>. hoarding it. <laughs> Let's get to some individual positions here. The cornerback market, some of the guys who are available near the top of your list at the position shield. Stephon Gilmore, Darius Williams, Traverius Ward, Casey Hayward. I want to start with Stephon Gilmore, Shield. Is there a best fit you have for Gilmore at this stage of his career? I mean, I would be really cautious with Stefan Gilmore. I mean, 32 years old, and you look at what happened last it's year. Da- it's danger zone for corners. It's danger it zone. Is the danger Panthers zone. traded for him, and he played in eight games. He played 60% of the snaps just three times. I mean, he was really in Weird, and out, right? not playing a lot. And so uh, I would be really cautious. With, I like had trouble uh, figuring out where to place him, even on the overall list, because I do think someone will look at it and say, shoot, it's Stefan Gilmore. Yeah, we're going to play some man coverage, bring him in. I almost feel like, and I don't want to just like rip the Panthers here, but I almost, you know, who knows what they're going to do. None of their moves really make a lot of sense. I almost feel like they might just overpay and be like, we traded for him. Yeah, well, you know, he didn't play a lot, but let, let's keep him here. And, uh, you know, we're going to pay him $14 million a year or something nuts uh, to, to play corner for us. So, um, I mean, I don't know. Would the Jets want to take a short flyer on him? Would the Chiefs say... All right. The if, Chiefs if the is price, the team I was the thinking about. Down, One year, yeah. twelve million, right. whatever Patrick it ends up Peterson being, something deal. like that. Yeah. yeah, the one-year retread, Patrick Peterson. That's what you're doing. You're hoping that you hit it. You're like, oh my god, we got some snaps out of you. That's what you're hoping with him. All right. So, like we did on our offensive show, we're going to hit a couple categories for each of these individual positions. Nate, who is the corner you really want? Maybe the guy who won't break the bank is going to be at the top of the market, but ultimately could be the best value at the position. Other than Carlton Davis, I would say the guy kind of more of that upper middle class tier would be uh, Steven Nelson. And he's, That's a not good fa- he's not fantastic, but he's a good, solid number two. And if you're a team, a, a good team that looking for bodies, don't want to break the bank, we have a couple needs, but we have the money to spend it, I think that's the guy you go after. 
He's best. He's a physical competitive guy. I'm, I'm sure she'll have some notes on him. Uh, he's been paid decently before, but I just think he's a good, solid player, a good number two. It's like in a number two pass rusher when you have a really bonafide guy on the other end. Any team that has that need, I think he's perfect for it. Seven, eight million bucks, you know, shopping yep. in that aisle at corner, I think is teams have benefited from that. If you look at the way the Bengals built last year, those types of players, yep. he could end up in a place like Buffalo. Like to replace Levi yes. Wall, somebody like that, where it's like a reliable starter opposite your real number one corner. Uh, I think that's a really good one. Shil, who was yours? Uh, I don't. DJ Reed is interesting to me. It seemed like his year yeah. went under the radar in, in Seattle. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think they switched him uh, to different sides, and once he got settled there, I think on the right side he ended up playing uh, really well. Probably not going to cost you a lot. Not the biggest guy. I think five nine, but only twenty six years old. Um, so that would be kind of a starting caliber player to maybe take a look at. I had Rasul Douglas. I'm always weary about guys who have breakout years out of nowhere when you overpay for that. It's always scary. But I think if you look at the way he played in that scheme specifically, a lot of off coverage and that zone-heavy kind of Fangio-esque defense, more teams are running that. Let's say if you can get him for $7 bucks, and you'd have to pay $17 million for guys at the top of the market. Is that a value proposition that ultimately becomes worth it? So that was that was one guy in the back of my head. But I think Steven Nelson would have been my other one, Nate. All right, Nate, your best under-the-radar corner. Somebody that's not going to go for big money, but you feel like is going to help a team. Oh, if people know this, it's kind of hard to find an under-the-radar corner because they're usually swooped up and not out here. But the one I have is Isaiah Oliver, and that's because he got banged up. He got hurt. He was injured. He's only 25, and actually going into this year, I was, I was, you know, I thought he may ascend in this next year. A.J. Terrell turned out to be an outstanding quarter in his own right, but I was like, I really like that pairing. He's got good size. He's physical. He just got hurt. He had the IR stuff. But if you're trying to take a a flyer on somebody, take a sniff at like, okay, maybe we steal a guy, maybe end up stealing a number two that plays physical, can match up. He's a competitive guy. It would be Isaiah Oliver. And that's really the name that kind of made sense for this kind of list. Because other than that, you're you're scraping the barrel. (laughs) How about you, Joe? I screwed it up. Reed was my under the ra- See what happens when we're not making gambling picks. I can't follow directions. I don't know what's going on. So yeah, you why can it's just- not minus six and a half next to <laughs> it. You can just him. move like- on. I'm looking at going, wait, now he's asking for the under the radar. I just said DJ. So, okay. So I have two. Okay. <laughs> okay. All Levi Wallace does is play acceptable football. Yeah. Like if you can sign him to a reasonable deal and again, just have a number two corner that you don't lose sleep about. Yeah. Like that is the most important thing with that spot to me. He's not exciting. He's never been exciting. I think they've been trying to replace him for like five straight years and haven't been able to. But the fact that they haven't been able to, and it's been one of the best defenses in the league over the last four or five seasons, that's just something to pay attention to for me. And my other one is all Kwan Williams is going to do this offseason is sign a one-year, two million dollar <laughs> contract from somebody and be an above-average slot corner. Like that's all he's going to do. It's perfect. He has a role. He has a role. He's like, that's what he is. He's like a side. If you're a Denver, right? Bryce Callahan's hitting free agency. You need a cor- a slot cornerback. Why wouldn't you sign Kwan Williams to like a one-year, two million dollar contract as you pay up for other players on your defense? Right. You do it. You never think about it again. Right. It's like buying a, start, a starting slot. That's what he is. <laughs> it's I mean, useful like, snaps. Is it exciting to buy a Honda Accord with like 70,000 miles on it? No, but that thing is going to run really well for you, and you're not going to pay a lot for it. And now, all right, tying it in, and now it's a passing league. So these guys are starting. It's just like gas mileage or uh, uh, miles per gallon is going up. How much it costs per gallon? That's what Kwan Williams is. Maybe more it's a hybrid. Yeah, in. who knows? Yeah, it's a hybrid. Where I'm going with this? He's yeah. an electric car. I know. We'll, 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 we're workshopping it. <laughs> All right. Your favorite fit? Just the the that you can just see it in your head, Shield. The favorite fit with team and player. You mentioned the team before, the Chargers. Uh, why not go get Darius Williams? I mean, two years ago, uh, played great under oh, that's a good under one. Brandon Staley. Yeah. He's not going to cost you what the top of the market guys are going to cost Makes you. Sense. I think he's 29 uh, years old. And so, uh, yeah, that, that was one that I had put down. How about you, Nate? How about you, Nate? Same team, Chargers, but I, I have Nelson. I'm just going to kind of reiterate him. A team that needs a couple starters or a guy that can pair with Asante Samuel Jr. that they I know they're high on. I think we all are. Don't have to break the same exact talking points as Shell. Don't break the bank, but you're finding a starter and you're finding that upper middle class uh, uh, realm. I had Casey Hayward to the Rams. One nice. year deal, start opposite Jalen Ramsey, zone heavy scheme. You won't have to pay much. Maybe you can get him for a discount as a veteran on a championship contending team. 
My other one that I had listed was Hayward to the Colts. You know, re- go back, go can sure. follow Gus Bradley. They need a corner. Listen, you know, he played great last year. <laughs> Might as well. It's a really good one. It's actually a really good one. All right. The signing you want to see, Nate, even if it's completely untethered from financial reality. Uh, Carlton Davis to the 49ers or the Bills. Oh, yeah. Uh, I had Carlton Davis. Davis to the Bills. Carlton Davis yeah. to the Bills was mine. Bills too. Amazing. Oh, come on. It's got to happen. God, right here. If money was no <laughs> object, oh, you could just see that, couldn't you? I mean, he would fit Which perfect. Oh, my God. It's perfect. Oh, it's it's perfect. Because it's a zone-heavy physical team. Yep. Like, it just – his style and of he's play smart. matches exactly what it's, they are. It, it is so funny that we all landed on that because it's so beautiful, <laughs> even if it's not possible. I know. <laughs> even if it's not possible. Exactly. But that was that was my number one. I was like, man, this is fun. All right. I'm going to try and find one that's maybe more workable. I'll go 49ers. The <laughs> oh other one I have God. is JC, JC Jackson to the Chiefs. I would just oh, yeah. That's, that's a good one, too. That's That'd a good one, too. Blitz away, right. Spags. We're going to lock them down. <laughs> all right. Let's get to the safeties here. Guys available in this class, Quandre Diggs, Justin Reed. Marcus May, Jordan Whitehead. It is not an exciting group. <laughs> there are not that many guys. After you move past the top guys, right? I mean, those top guys in the top five are worth paying top of the market money for. It falls off in a pretty big hurry. Even a guy like Marcus May is coming off a torn Achilles. I mean, there are concerns with pretty much every single one of these guys. Justin Reed played in a weird schematic situation with Houston. Jordan Whitehead has had some splashes, but he's a pretty limited player in what he provides you. I mean, everybody has a yeah, but on this list outside of the top three, two or three players. Shield, who is the one guy at safety that you would want? Well, yeah, the one guy I want, we've, we've, we talked about the big guys, uh, Matthew and Marcus Williams. I mean, I, I think the two young guys that I would look at if you're saying, hey, we don't just need a one-year stopgap are kind of the two you mentioned, Justin Reed and Jordan Whitehead. You know, they're both only 25 years old. Uh, you know, Whitehead has played certainly in some big games. Reed, you could probably talk yourself into him looking a, a little bit different maybe than he did last year uh, in your scheme. So th- those were a couple that came to mind. Nate, how about you? I. This guy's a little older, but I have Quandry Dix. And Same. yeah, hell of a player. I, I think he's actually a little bit underrated because he's yeah. with he, he's the stake and Jamal Adams is the sizzle. Like, you know, like he actually is the guy, like on that in that defensive backfield. Got hurt in the last game, which is awful. But I think like a two, three year deal, about ten mil a year, you'd be ecstatic with this guy. If you gave him the same deal that the Bills safeties got, right? Around that yeah. nine million dollar a year range. For a couple years. And you're comparing that to what a $17 million safety looks like, I would yep. so much rather pay half for yep. Quandre Diggs than you're going to have to pay for the top, top, top of the market. And maybe guys. get the same value and get yes. 100% of the value. Yes. Like that's, that's, yeah. He's my exact guy. Like The only reason he's really available is because they're in this weird middle ground in yeah. Seattle. Like Just a lot realm. of the signs that point to the players I want to chase point to Quandre Diggs in this market. Yep. All right. Sheila, your best under the radar guy. Uh, how about a little J. Ron Curse? You know, I know he, yeah. might, he might not play every snap for you, but uh, I love the tight end stoppers. If you're going, you know, big nip, nickel or uh, playing three safeties, uh, give me a little, little J. Ron Curse there. So here's my thing about J. Ron Curse. It's kind of similar to. to my Rasul Douglas concern, <laughs> right? What did J. Ron Curse make last year? Was it one like one seven nickel. under two? Right. One year, one point one million. Okay. I like J. Ron Curse as a very specific yeah. <laughs> defensive stopper at one year, one point one million, more than three years, eighteen million, or whatever he's going to make this year. That's the only concern about guys that were deals one year and then they're hitting free agency again is that you have to recalibrate your expectations big time. Yeah, yeah. There's a reason he was bouncing from team to team, but I, I, I had him too as an under radar guy. If he goes in the right fit and it makes sense, it's like okay, why not? But like you said, it's the one point one point two million or whatever it was. I love that term. Yeah, the tight end stopper. It's like it's, that's what he is. Yeah, it's getting your Patrick Beverly. Like that's yeah. what he is. Like for yeah, great chaos. <laughs> Those guys are their great. Skin. Yeah, at the yeah. right price. Those at the right guys price. are great. Right. So uh, my guy I, was good. Oh, oh, go ahead, Dan. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say uh, uh, Tart. Uh, that was mine. Was it was it okay. Yep. That was. I, I like him. I like him a lot. Smart. Super enforcer. useful player. If useful. you can get him for a few million bucks and you just have a need there, like if you're the Jets, right? Yes. And you just want a starter and you want to spend big money elsewhere, that's yep. the type of guy. If you're the Eagles yep. and you just want a starter back there, I think he's the right guy to have in mind for the right price. 
Yep, and he's part of the spine, and that's important, and he's an enforcer type, and I think he'll set the tone. I, that's why the Jets one's pretty good, too, because it's like if you bring in three new bodies, they're going to follow Tart's lead as far as personality and everything, which is a good thing. Shield, did you have a favorite fit at safety? Uh, Matthew to the Ravens is is my favorite fit. The other one I thought of, uh, Justin Reed to the Eagles. I mean, the Eagles have no safety, so they're going to need to just take a flyer probably on one of those young guys, whether it's uh, Reed or Whitehead. Nate, how about you? Uh, yeah, this was this was Jordan Whitehead to the Cowboys, and that, it's just more of like being the box guy and that big body that they need. Basically, doing yeah. what Curse is doing, but maybe a little a little better. You know, I think, but that was just a random fit. I kind of really liked. I, it's kind of cool how safeties are being used now. You can really squint and see a lot of guys fitting in different different defenses now. I had Matthew to the Cowboys just again because they're willing to use those guys in kind of hyper specific ways. The signing you want to see, Shield, even if it's untethered from financial reality. I don't know, even know if it is untethered, but how about Quandre Diggs go back to Detroit? Patricia's not there anymore. You know, it's a new regime. <laughs> uh, he'd be a great leader. I mean, you guys said it. He seems to be a beloved teammate, can do a little yep. bit of everything, would fit there. They have a need at safety if they lose Tracy Walker. I mean, the only concern with him is he had what looked like a pretty serious injury. It was in week 18, I think. So you have to look yeah. at that. But yeah, I, I thought that would be kind of funny if he goes back to Detroit. Nate, how about you? I have Quadri Diggs to the Ravens. So I'm tying in Shields to two thoughts, and that's what I'm going with. But just be so much fun with the guys. He's versatile and, and just maybe even kind of be the safety net with all the craziness that his corners would like to do there if he was playing over the top of them. I had Marcus Williams as the Jaquesky Tart replacement in San Francisco. Like I just yeah, that just one is I so love it fun. so much. And just you think about the way they play again. It's like a lot of quarters on early downs, and like more teams living in that split safety world. Like he's a yep. perfect player for that. I mean, he was he was going to be in demand last spring. I, I talked to a team who ultimately signed a safety near the top of the market last year, and they they thought he would hit the market. They wanted to chase him. I mean, mm-hmm. that is the type of guy they had in mind as they were rebuilding their defense. So I, I feel Big like fan. he's going to be somebody people are after justifiably. All right, let's get to the edge guys. Who's available? Jadevian Clowney, Hassan Redick, Randy Gregory, Emmanuel Ogba. Really interesting group. I mean, just a lot of different guys at different stages of their careers. It depends on what you want out of this group. So who's the guy you really want? The guy I really want? You know, I'm wondering why Hassan Reddick hasn't had the market and whether he will have the big market. Uh this offseason. I know he's not for everybody. I know he's a little bit uh, undersized. He's, he's probably a little bit uh, scheme specific, but like the numbers with him are crazy. 23 and a half sacks over the past two years. Here, here are the players with more sacks than Hassan Reddick over the last two years. TJ Watt, Miles Garrett, Trey Hendrickson, and Aaron Donald. That's it. Ooh, that's uh, a good nugget. That's it. Mm. So um, I, I'm curious to see where he goes if a team says, all right, you know, maybe two years ago you thought it was a one-year wonder, but now he's done it back-to-back years if maybe he'll have a, uh, a pretty strong market. Nate, how about you? I got Emmanuel Ogba, and I just think if this guy, for whatever reason, he's kind of maybe his name just isn't out there. Uh, but what he's been doing the last couple of years, he has 18 sacks for the last two years. He had 22 QB hits last year. That's four more than Von Miller on the same amount of snaps for, throughout the entire regular season. He had 11 batted passes last year. That is do shit stats. 11, like batted <laughs> passes. He's affecting the game. So like that matters. So, oh, I'm not getting a sack? Okay, I'm still affecting the game. It's an incomplete pass. I, you know, it might be about $14 million, but there's consistency to him. I think, I think that's a guy I would take a chance on it, kind of that. He's he's gonna be up, he's gonna get paid, but maybe just maybe it's not as much as the top tier guys. Yeah. You guys are gonna pay fourteen million dollars to Emmanuel Appa. I'm gonna pay half that to Melvin Ingram again. I just oh, like God. we always have this conversation. I just he's gonna be a useful guy at, at a reasonable price point. If it's a one year stopgap thing, it depends on where you are in your trajectory as a franchise. But I just I keep coming back to him. Shil, I wanted to ask you about Clowney. Like, what do you think is the right price for Clowney? What do you think is the right landing spot for Clowney? I, it's hard for me to put my finger on it. Yeah, I mean, last year, you know, he's coming off a season in which he played eight games and had zero sacks, and he got a one-year $8 million deal. So, like, you know, someone was willing to take a flyer on him at the same time. This will be, what, his third straight year uh, hitting free agency. And I'm sure durability, health is a big concern for some of these teams. I mean, it's really tough. I would think he at least jumps to like 12 million. You know, he had one of his best seasons. I think at least. At least. I mean, if, yeah. if guys are going to get 15 million, yeah. right? If, and if, if Agba is justifiably going to get 15 and Clowney got 15 two years ago, 
doesn't it stand to reason that he would get somewhere in the yeah. realm of $15 million yeah, a year this year? More. You're right. Yeah, he, he he very well could. It's just, I'm always, when it goes from, hey, this guy was available and didn't get more. Now, again, there were circumstances for that last year. Like, you want Clowney coming off the year he had two years ago. Coming off this year, yeah. now you can't, now's when, like, I bet you, you know, the the Andrew Berries and the Cleveland Browns of the world are going to be like, all right, let's see what the market is. We're not going to assume that he's just going to be durable and healthy and give him big money. So, yeah, he, he is a tough one. We'll get to my favorite fit here in a second with that thinking in mind. Okay. All right, Nate, your favorite under the radar guy. Yeah, this is my Millsap doctrine candidate, candidate, which is the Amazing. low no snap guy that you know gets more snaps and becomes uh, very useful. And he's a little undersized, but it's Obo Okoronkwo from the from wow, the uh, from deep, the Rams. <laughs> yeah, uh, but there's a guy. It. I love it. Rotational guy on the loaded defensive front year after year. He's he's small. He does get banged up, but he's super bendy. He has the rare kind of bendy traits. He's just smaller. That's all it is. But if you're on a good team, you get him on a cheapy, a two-year deal, and it's not that much, you might just get more out of him. Like, I think there's more to him with more snaps, true passing down snaps. Right now, they're using him as he plays one quarter of the snaps, basically, for them on those types of downs. But a guy that maybe plays 50% of those types of snaps, he gets a bump in the stats. But yeah, that's my Millsup Doctrine uh, candidate for, for, for this show. I had a very similar line of thinking. I had Arden Key. Love Put it. on a little bit of weight. I mean, he's uh, was on the Chris Kasurik career rehabilitation plan, which I always <laughs> love. It feels like somebody could get him as a nice rotational piece for a pretty reasonable price in this class. Yep. Hit Joe, who was yours? Twenty three hits last year. Yes, I he, couldn't he, believe again. That. Do shit stats. He was he was disruptive last year. I mean, mm-hmm. this is nowhere. This, this one now. Uh, Nate had the Millsap doctrine. Can, I don't know. This is the Rasul Douglas corollary, I guess, and that would be uh, Charles Harris. Like, be careful. Uh, I did not realize Charles Harris. I'll be honest. I was not grinding the Lions film uh, last year. Seven and a half sacks, <laughs> sixteen quarterback hits, played seventy six percent of the snaps after he got paid what under two million last year. I mean, I don't know. Is someone going to say, "Well, well, all right, first round pick." finally realizing his potential or is he kind of a one-year deal guy but uh, he's, he certainly was productive so I'm kind of curious just to see uh, what his market is like all right favorite fit Nate and Arden Key to the Chargers would be very interesting to me yes nice. I love he got unlocked he was he was useful with the Raiders but I mean like you said he got he got a nice little boost last year but why he got unlocked was lining him up inside and yep. being able to run wind up across the front and now with Defensive coaches being willing to move these guys around on passing downs when they're not blitzing and just going like, that's how we're going to create chaos up front. He's a very, very useful. That's very useful to be able to go, I'm going to line up at nose on third down. <laughs> and like all of a sudden the next snap, base downs, I'm outside. It gets more speed on the field for you. So I would love that with the Chargers. And like him and Joey Bosa would just wreck shit. That would be, be a lot of fun. I had Chandler Jones to the Chiefs, the one I already mentioned. So, yep. I had Melvin Ingram in the one-year, $8 million opposite Miles Garrett role. Nice. In Cleveland. I like if it. If they just want to keep cycling guys in there, I think that's exactly the type of guy that you should shoot for in that role. Okay. I did not have one of these. I'm curious about your guys's. The signing that you would want to see Shield, even if untethered from reality. Oh, I've got one. How about maybe this might be tethered to reality. How about you, Devion Clowney goes to the Chargers in opposite oh. – Joey Bosa, How I? that would be fun. I, I love that because his perfect role is as a super number two. Yeah. That is his perfect role. And there are only so few places where he could be that. And the Chargers is exactly that. Even if you pay him $18 million, he's still your number two edge rusher in that situation. Just pay him for one year. So he can sign for the next team next year. I uh, So for mine, I got Justin Houston to the Bills. As a little one year, same thing. That was very reasonable. That that makes perfect sense. That's tethered. My my not reasonable is Von Miller to the 49ers. Just for fun. (laughs) (laughs) Just for fun. I just want to see it. I do I mean they have they still have Akubom, right? He did not sign a one one year deal, so he'll still be there. I was gonna say, I mean, I being able to play Armstead inside is like truly important. So you know, you lose key from that rotation. We'll talk about another guy that you lose from that rotation as we get to the defense tackles here, but where they look at edges and if they do, I think is interesting. All right, last position here because Shields got to get out of here. We're just going to do the defensive tackles. Who's available? We've got Akeem Hicks, Larry Ogunjobi, DJ Jones, Bilal Nichols. 
Shield, the guy you really want from this defensive tackle group. I'm deciding which one of your favorites to steal here because I know oh, I, I'm pretty is, sure I know there's so many. I'm gonna I'm gonna take Nate's. I think. How about a DJ Jones? I mean, ah! with, with all these teams <laughs> playing, you know, if you, with, with more teams playing too. It's interesting. When I first started doing the free agency rankings a few years ago, the nose tackles. I'm like, get out of here. You're not playing on third down. No one's paying you any money. And now teams are going too high. And like these nose tackles mm-hmm. are getting 10, 11. DJ Reader got 13 million uh, a year from the Bengals. And so DJ Jones was a free agent last offseason. Got to be teams kicking themselves for not signing him then. I think got three and a half million to return to the Niners. Had a fantastic year. Uh, I think he's going to get a big deal this year. That's a really good one. Nate, what's yours? It's DJ Jones. I mean, come on. <laughs> I got the. I got so many notes on this too. He had 10 TFLs last year. Same as Jonathan Allen, Ed Oliver, DeForest Buckner. He had 48 tackles on run plays. Same as Jonathan Allen. More than Javon Hargrave. More than Greg Gaines. But Jones did on 200 fewer snaps. Uh, he's entering the prime of his career. The downside is he's only had two sacks, but he is useful on passing downs. Just more of like a eat the center and let other, other guys work around him a little bit. But that's my guy, too. I think he's going to be super useful for somebody. I love his play style. He can have moments when he goes against below average or poor guards. He can dominate, like actually dominate, which is what you want like when, when you're paying for that position. He's a great one, but my answer is Sebastian Joseph Day. You win. That was the other <laughs> yeah. he's, I just it would it, even if the price is like seven or eight million a year, and what he does and what he can do for you in, in a mod, in the modern NFL with the way that teams are playing is so so important. And I think you could spin in your head of anybody can do that, anybody can eat blocks. Not anybody can eat blocks like that. He he really look at the Chargers. The Chargers are proof that not anybody can do that. And I think that just singular skill that he has. I want that. I want that as part of the larger plan that I have on defense with the way the teams are playing right now. And he can give you that. That's why him to the Chargers is my favorite fit. Like it just it makes total sense sense in my mind. Yep, I I had that down as my fit as well. Nate, did you have what was your favorite fit? Favorite fit? I was I was getting ready for something else. My favorite fit would be Sebastian Joseph Day and the Chargers because I mean every part of this makes sense. And then my other one was uh, I'm going to butcher his name, but Foley Fatakasi. Yeah, uh, for, from the Jets. With the, yeah. With, yeah, with the Browns. And just need some meat in the middle. Just eat it. Just eat it. That's what he would do for them and just help everybody else out up front. All right. So the signing that I would want to see, even if on the tethered from reality, because we got to get out of here, speaking of the Browns, is Akeem Hicks to the Browns. You drop him on that defensive line with with Miles Garrett and however else they fill that out, I would absolutely love that. I had Akeem Hicks as well, but uh, I had two other teams listed. Uh, the Chiefs. How about Akeem Hicks next to Chris I Jones? I also Good thought luck, about that uh, next to, next to Chris Jones. Uh, yep. Thoughts and prayers to every center and guard in the NFL. Uh, <laughs> and then the other one is the same idea. Rams. I mean, Akeem Hicks and Aaron Donald. Akeem Hicks just Jesus. plays with such like violence. And when he's healthy, man, next to Aaron Donald, that would be fun. She, or Nate, what do you got for me? What's your last uh, one? Well, this is like under the radar, so I don't know if it's uh, it's also the sign I want to see it, but I would want to see B.J. Hill with the Chargers. And that's because I wanted to talk about B.J. Hill, and I didn't realize how a good, solid player he was. I want to give him more, more credit. If they go down the Jordan Davis aisle in the draft, and they want to, like, because I think Jordan Davis just ran away in 4-8-40 away from that pick <laughs> that they have, the 17th pick, and they want to shop in that aisle, I'd like him I'd like him with the Browns as well, just that body type. I do want to say one under-the-radar guy for linebackers, because I know we're not going to talk about him, but that's Nick Morrow, Nicholas Morrow from the Raiders. He got hurt last year, missed the entire year. He had a breakout 2020. It was kind of unheralded because their defense was so bad. But I think if someone taking a chance at linebacker wants to get some guy that they can get under market price, it's him. So I just want to throw that one in there. <laughs> All right. We didn't get to linebackers, but we did get most of this in under the wire, and I'm pretty proud of us. Guys, thank you very much for listening. Thank you both of you guys for your time. We will be back tomorrow with Bill Barnwell talking about some lessons that we can learn from the last couple of years of free agency. In the meantime, please rate and review the podcast on your podcast platform of choice. I sincerely appreciate that. Please subscribe to The Athletic theathletic.com slash football show. This is a great time to do it. You can read all about the Carson Wentz trade. You can read Shields' top 150 free agent list. So much great stuff to get to. Everything that we wrote about the Russell Wilson trade. Stephen Holder wrote a piece today about how the gap between the haves and the have-nots quarterback-wise feels as wide as ever because of how important the position is and how that's dictating decision-making throughout the league. Highly encourage you guys to go check that out. We'll be back tomorrow. In the meantime, appreciate you guys listening. Talk to you soon. This was The Athletic Football Show.